Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. I've been speaking, we've been talking about having encounters with the Lord and seeing the glory, meeting with God and all those things. And, and so we are pressing into that realm of the next, the next level for wherever we're at. We want to go to the next level of encounters with the living God. And we want to see and hear and feel and smell and all that of his glory. Amen. And so um, I want us to talk tonight, look at discerning spiritual experiences. And so let's look in Matthew chapter 11. <coughs> discerning spiritual exper- experiences. I guess say that three times real fast. Okay. <laughs> but um, as we're looking at these things... You know, we want to go into these things with our, with our eyes wide open, understanding that, you know, there's more than one spiritual source out there. There's more than one voice that's speaking. And we heard a prophetic word tonight talking about there are more than one, ver- one voice that's out there. So we want to learn to discern what's God and what's not. In Matthew 11, verse 25, Jesus says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. You know that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were the professional, um, you know, religious authorities, right? They were the ones that knew the scripture and supposedly had all of this stuff down. But, you know, Jesus said that God has hidden certain things from those who are considered wise and intelligent. Instead, he's revealing this thing to infants. So guess what? If we come before the Lord, if we've got the attitude of we know it all, and we have it all together, and you can't tell me anything, then guess what? We're disqualifying ourselves from receiving something more from the Lord. So Jesus said that we've got, he has revealed these things to infants, to those that don't know everything. Let's flip over to Matthew 18 and look in verse 1. At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that the one who approaches him like a child is the one who's going to have access to the deep things of the kingdom. That is who God is revealing these things to, the one who comes like a child. And you notice, you know, we think about why did Jesus use a child? Well, you know, children, for one thing, are naturally curious, aren't they? They're naturally curious. They're, they are filled with wonder. And when they're really small, they ask a lot of questions. What's that? What's that? What's that? Who's that? Why? Why, Mommy? Why? 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 You get all that stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you just laugh because it's the nature of a child that they want, to, they want to explore the world. They want to see everything. They want to ask and understand everything. Okay. And so, you know, and little children... You know, little children, many times God is moving on children and they are seeing angels and they're having spiritual encounters. I remember reading a book some years ago. It was called um, A Mighty Wind by Mel Tari. And he was talking about the Indonesian revival, about how God used a group of children and gave them some phenomenal experiences. 
and uh, things like they walked on water, things like um, one of the kids, his feet became uh, sticky, and he was able to climb up a tree. And, you know, just all kinds of things that God did that was out of the ordinary. And they were, uh, as they were out, they were, these young children were going out to neighboring villages and they were preaching the, the gospel and an angel was leading them through the jungles and leading them back home. I mean, wild experiences. But you know what happened? The kids were open to that. They were open and responsive. I heard someone say uh, not too long ago, they said, well, you know, I forget who told me this. They were saying about how that kids can see angels and stuff a lot of times because it's not been that far since, you know, they were in heaven. <laughs> not been that long. They've only been on the earth, you know, a short period of time, and they're still used to, to the spirit realm, you know, somewhat. And so uh, whether or not, you know, kids were created whenever, that's, we'll debate that another day. But the thing is that many times you see that children have, that sense of wonder and curiosity. And so many times they are not acting like jaded adults who are analytical and question everything. Because they just pretty much believe what you tell them, right? Yeah. And you tell them there's an Easter bunny, they believe there's an Easter bunny, you know? And they don't try to sort that out later on, you know? Uh, they just say, okay, great, free candy, you know? <laughs> and they're good, you know? But, you know, it's like a child. Jesus said to become like a child. And I believe he's talking about having that sense of wonder and that sense of delight. You know, where a little kid gets excited about things, gets excited. And, and Jesus is looking for people who've got that same attitude of wonder and delight. You know, they just get, you know, they're funny. Little kids, they get tickled over nothing, don't they? They get so tickled and they just laugh and laugh and laugh and they're so much fun. And it's over nothing. Just being alive. They are having such a good time. Well, you know, if we become like children, we're going to be putting ourselves in that position where that the Lord can reveal some deeper things to us. Because we don't know it all. We haven't got it all figured out. And yeah, we've got a foundation of some doctrine. We've got some experience and some things. But we want to not lose that childlike wonder and anticipation over anything that God is doing. You know, I was talking to a man um, a few years ago, and he had, um, he had shown me some of the um, glory dust that he had collected at a meeting one time, had it in a little vial, and he had actually put some, um, um, he put it in a box that he was also keeping some anointing oil in. I think I showed this to y'all a couple years ago. But he forgot about it because they packed and they moved, and then he went back, and the glory dust had multiplied inside the oil. You know, it had just transferred over. And, and he said, and he and I were talking about this. And he says, well, you know, sometimes people, they get all, you know, well, it's not really gold or it's not really gems or it's not really whatever. He says, I don't care what it is. God created it on the spot. So if it was, it's okay if it's just a rock. The fact is <laughs> that it had a supernatural appearance. And he says, so we don't care, you know. And I thought, you know, see, because a lot of people are critical of these things. It's not real gold. It's not real this. I'm like, who cares? Who cares? It showed up. The fact that it showed up as a miracle is something that, yeah, we want to we have wonder and delight at those things and get excited. I personally really don't care if the gold dust is real gold or not. Do y'all care? I don't care. I just want some. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so this also means as, as we're talking about spiritual experiences, that, you know, some of the things that God likes to do is to amaze us with the unusual. 
you know, some of the expressions on your faces when I taught you about the kid's feet got sticky and climbed up the tree, you're like, I never heard of that before. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> you know, but you know what? Sometimes people are asking for stuff, where's that in the Bible? And you know, the first time that Jesus walked on the water, or the, I mean, there has to be a first, right? It, it was the first time and it got recorded, you see? And so there's many other things that Jesus did, the Bible says, right? That if he recorded them all, the whole world couldn't hold up books, right? So there are lots of other things that are just not recorded in Scripture. And what happens is over here in the West, where we get this mindset that we're going to scientifically, you know, analyze everything down to, you know, right out of a miracle, you know. <laughs> They're trying to go to analyze everything. And the Lord is wanting us to have the heart of the light as children and to be just tickled with every little thing that he does. Hallelujah. I just want to be tickled with everything, okay? You get one little fleck of glory dust. Glory, hallelujah, that's wonderful, you know? You know, let's delight in these things. Let's delight in miracles. Let's delight in visions and delight in these kinds of experiences, you know? There's a lot of controversy that goes on right now. People are criticizing various things happening in various revivals in different places because, well, I didn't see that exactly in the Bible. I didn't, you know, I don't know about that. You know what, folks? I, I read a quote the other day that really impacted me by Jim Gall. And Jim says the Lord told him, if you can't jump in the middle of it, bless it. If you can't bless it, patiently observe it. And if you can't patiently observe it, don't criticize it. Do not extend the rod of your tongue against things you do not understand. That's wise words, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, there's some stuff because I feel like that many times people jump into judgment too fast. You know, we see, that ain't God, that ain't God. And I'm thinking, well, is, is it God? Well, maybe we should, you know, check it out a little while, you know. And so if we can examine and look for the fruit and see what's going on and say, well, maybe it is God. And there are some things that we've heard about in certain places that maybe you and I have not experienced or you and I have not seen. But you know what? We're not almighty and we're not all-knowing. And God might have some things he's doing someplace that maybe he hasn't bothered to show us yet. I mean, you know. Maybe he's doing something new. I think I read that in the Bible one day. Behold, I do a new thing. It's amazing how many people read that but don't think it really applies. <laughs> Behold, I do a new thing. Isn't that something? A new thing. Hmm. I'm hearing about some wonderful new things the Lord's been doing. So in way in Revelation, so we want to have the heart of wonder like a child to delight in these things, be open to see the, to see the things that the Lord wants to show us. So in way in Revelation, of course, first of all, we're going to go to the scriptures for direction, right? We're going to go to the scriptures, first of all, to see if a given thing, that's the first litmus test. Is this God or is this not? Because the Bible says we live in a time when there can be lying signs and wonders, right? Lying signs and wonders that if uh, Jesus said if it were possible to even deceive the very elect. And so because lying signs and wonders can be out there, you and I have got to be smart enough to be able to tell the difference between what's a real sign from God that may be unusual, it may be different, and what is something that is from the camp of the enemy. Way in Revelation, many times is very difficult. You know, we have a vision or we have an experience or we see something, and a lot of times it's real hard for us to be able to gauge, was that God or was that not God? And the reason is because, number one, we see in part. We don't see everything perfectly. We only get a piece of a puzzle. We get a little bit of a revelation. And then it's also difficult to weigh revelation because we like our own opinions, right? Mm -hmm. 
We have opinions about things. We prefer our opinions to everybody else's. And especially if we feel emotional about it, if we feel strongly one way emotionally, you know, we want to hold on to that I must be right because I feel so strongly. Well, you know what? Sometimes people feel strongly about things and they're not right. Isn't that true? Anybody ever been wrong before? Yeah, I have. Anybody been surprised you were wrong before? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. So in, in receiving revelation and in weighing it, you know, was that dream from God? Did I, those words I heard, was that really from God? Okay, it doesn't conflict with Scripture. Okay, Scripture seems to be all right. And, but I felt real strongly about it. We also understand that God has given us other people in the body of Christ, and they also maybe can give us some wise counsel, or maybe they can give us some experience or something to help us learn to judge whether the revelation we got was from God. And sometimes when people start, you know, they come to the ministry and spiritual gifts seminar, they get activated a few times, then they decide, you know, they know everything and you can't tell them anything anymore. And that's, unfortunately, that's unfortunate because that causes a person not to be like a child. And it's going back to that Pharisee, Sadducee thing that says, I know it all, and so I can't listen for any counsel from anybody else. Now, we understand that all revelation that we get does not all have the same strength to it. doesn't have all the weight to it, right? It all doesn't have the same amount of purity. There is some revelation that comes that is extremely pure and very concise and very... Uh, very detailed. We have other types of revelations, just kind of a hunch, just kind of a general knowing. And there are sometimes things that pass so quickly, we're not really sure what that was, and we have to go back and dig, and what was that I heard, and what was that about, and what was that picture I saw, and what does that mean? And so we also understand that there are some times that when we have been, uh, we have been receiving revelation, that sometimes, if you'll take this and pass it, please, that sometimes... We have, have had stronger revelation, and other times we've had lighter revelation. Well, John Paul Jackson has come up with a list that's about how to weigh the revelation that you get, okay? Because, you know, if you have, there, there are progressive levels of revelation that we receive. And so there are some are more accurate than others, some are more clear, some are more valid than others. And so he's got a list of the strength of revelation, and especially as it applies to when you need to take action in your life, you know? Say that you're debating a job or a move or, um, uh, you know, marriage. I mean, how many times does somebody that had a dream that's supposed to marry the pastor's son? I mean, this kind of stuff, you know? Uh, or, you know, they have all sorts of, Bless her heart, we, can't, we used to get dreams often from this dear lady in almost every dream. She's getting married. Well, she was a single lady. And she was sure that this was a sign from God that she was getting married. Actually, the interpretation of the dream was, you want to get married. You know, so I had to tactfully kind of tell her that's what her dream meant. But, you know, sometimes these things are all highly subjective, and so they don't have the same weight. So John Paul said, if you start from the weakest or least level of, of revelation, the, it starts with as a feeling or confirmation. Then a little bit stronger weight is knowing. You have an intuition. You have an insight. Number three is you would have a vague picture. Number four, an impression upon your conscience. Number five, discernment, good and evil. 
there's a stronger sense of is this from God or is this not. Six would be dreams. Seven is twilight, when you are just waking up or just going to sleep. I've had that happen before. There was one instance that happened to me uh, several years ago when I woke up as I was waking up. My eyes were not even open yet. As I was waking up, I heard a, a voice, and it spoke to me. It was a discernment of what um, a type of spirit that was in operation in the church. And I heard it upon awakening. This means I was not thinking about this, right? I wasn't meditating on it. It was coming to me as I was waking up. This is a pure revelation than if I had been thinking about a situation and tossing it over my head for three or four days, right? So when I got my revelation and it conflicted with somebody else's revelation, but somebody else had been mulling over their situation for days, which one was pure? The one where I wasn't thinking about it and it came to me and I was not pursuing it. You see, uh, Bishop Hammond calls things uh, wishings. You know, people say they have a vision. He says some of them have a wishing. And that's when they've got a picture concocted in their head about how it's supposed to be and they tell you, God told me. God told me you're supposed to marry the youth pastor. You know, God told me you're supposed to do this or that. Well, if it's coming out of your strong emotion and your desire, you know, you got a lot of sorting out to get as far as what's come out of your soul and what's coming from the Spirit of God. So not having even thought of anything, but in twilight sleep, as you're just waking up, there are several times I have heard something or had a vision as I was waking up, and it wasn't I was dreaming it at all. It wasn't, it was just fresh, half the press, and I guess because I was just waking up and God had my attention. I guess that's how it worked. After twilight, trances. After that, a word from a recognized seasoned prophet who does not know you. How many of you know that's a stronger revelation than a revelation that you just had, you know, waking up? But if a prophet doesn't know you and reads your mail and tells you, that's pretty good. And we've, I think many of us or all of us have had those type of experiences. All right, then there are visions, having a literal vision with your eyes open. Visitation is in a vision. You have a vision and here comes Gabriel. I mean, that's pretty powerful, right? Counts a little stronger than a dream, right? <laughs> Counts, okay. Then we have manifestation of the Holy Spirit. A visitation of Jesus, a heavenly translation, a visit from the third heaven, a visit from God, which is blinding white light. I all remember Paul, okay? And uh, Paul on the road to Damascus, it was blinding white light. God's audible voice, and then a throne room experience where you go on a little vacation to heaven. Okay? And we've many times we've heard stories about that of people who have had uh, out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, or they actually died, they went to heaven, they had encounters, whatever, and they came back. That is a much higher level of revelation than you having a hunch. right? So we're going to look at, if you've got these different levels that revelation can come, we're not going to give the same type of, of weight or validity to a hunch as we are to an open vision. So this is a way to help us weigh, you know, how did it come? All right. And also, if, um, if you are receiving what you believe is a revelation while you're in the midst of an emotional struggle, you need to have somebody else's input because your emotions can get in there and can color and can affect it, you see? Because if you've been sitting mulling over a situation, you can talk yourself into about anything, can't you, right? That may not be something that God was saying. And we just don't, 
you know, we, God has given us an imagination that we can use, but we want to be able to sort what's the difference between something out of my soul and something by the Spirit of the Lord, right? Now, so we want to look here for a little bit at finding the origin of all of these spiritual experiences, all these dreams and trances and translations and all these things. The um, scripture says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the instruction is for us to test a spirit, because the Bible says that even Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light. And so, you know, if it's one thing, you know, if the devil showed up, you know, looking with, you know, red suit and pitchfork and the red horns and like on the can of the little devil ham, you know. I mean, if the devil showed up like that, you might say, oh, that's the devil. But if he showed up looking like something very appealing in presence, very beautiful, you might not notice that. One thing I thought was interesting was when um, Mel Gibson was making The Passion and the actress that he chose to play Satan. And people had asked him, why did you not choose some, you know, an ugly uh, depiction. And he says, because, because evil is appealing to us. It looks beautiful to us. And so that's what he chose, was an appealing, beautiful face instead of something that was ugly. Which I thought, that's interesting because that's what happens, right? Because when we are being tempted either to do wrong or we're being tempted into deception, it comes across as appealing. It's trying to get you to take the bait, isn't it? Right? Okay. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21, it says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Examine everything, every experience, every dream, every prophecy, every, you know, every type of a sign or a wonder. We want to not just toss everything out wholehearted, but recognize as children God may be doing something new. He may be doing something special. So I want to be able to discern whether this is God or not. And I want to hold fast into the stuff that's good. And just because there's been some bad stuff that got in there doesn't mean we're going to throw everything out. Isn't that right? Anybody ever have a nightmare before? Of course. Just because you had a nightmare, does that mean you stop looking at your dreams at all? Of course not. We still anticipate that God will speak to us through our dreams. Even if we've had one or two that we know, we're definitely not from God. Right? Doesn't mean we stop dreaming or stop looking at those. Now, when God shows up and He does signs and wonders, many times what He's doing is is causing us to go, "I wonder what that was," <laughs> making us wonder. All right. So, in when we see these things happen, sometimes we also watch some strange things happening in meetings. And one thing that has thrown a lot of people has been the behavior of people once they have sat in there and observed meetings and things going on, observed the people as they were going on. Anybody ever seen somebody fall out under the power before, right? Okay? Maybe we've all fallen out under the power before. You know, there are a lot of people who have looked at that and said, that's not God. There are a lot of people that don't believe that it's God, right? Similarly, sometimes we've seen people fall out under the power, and they have begun to manifest demonic activity, right? You ever seen that? Okay. That doesn't mean that there wa- that wasn't God to put them out. 
What that means is they had an encounter, a reaction to the presence of the Spirit of God. And that's something that we need to learn to distinguish between. We know that when we can, we can sense and feel a genuine touch from the Holy Spirit, isn't that right? But you know that also, sometimes there is something within us that violently reacts to the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever find yourself, you know, the, maybe you were that person that was manifesting demonically because something inside of you did not like what was going on and God was exposing the work of the enemy? Or we've also had times to where sometimes people shake, they vibrate, you know, under the presence of the Lord. It's a reaction to the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's a reaction to. You stick your fingers in the light socket, you're going to probably have a reaction to the power, right? Right? There's a difference here. And so that gives us, the, that gives us a place to have a little bit of grace for different manifestations. Grace for how people respond and how they behave. Say, well, it, because it, God is working with each one of us individuals. So if I watch something, I've watched people who thought they were under the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm watching them manifest. And they, they're manifesting, and they're thinking it's God. I'm thinking, you need deliverance, honey. The thing inside of you is causing this kind of stuff going. So generally, you know, I'm going, if I'm in a position to do so, and it's appropriate, then I want to go over there and minister deliverance to that person. And when that happens, guess what? They don't manifest the same way when the Spirit of God comes on again because the thing that was causing trouble got evicted. Hallelujah. You see? And that's where, see, we want to have some wisdom about this. Sometimes we feel that because I had a strange feeling or I had a strange vision or something, we assume everything is God. But what does the Scripture say? It says prove everything and hold fast only to the stuff that is God. Right? Because not everything is God. But we're grace, praise God, we've got the grace to find out and explore. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you don't have to have everything perfect yet? Hallelujah. So I want us to look here um, at some, some principles about testing the spirits. Mark Verkler had come up with these. Um, he's, years ago, he had published a book called Communion with God, and I thought that these um, tests were really very, very practical. It's a very practical book, by the way. Test the spirits, okay? Now, discerning experiences and revelation Self, was it primarily in the mind? Does it feed my ego or does it exalt Jesus? What does it resemble? We all know what it is to have those little daydreams. Those little daydreams to where, you know, they came crawling on their hands and knees, begging our forgiveness, kind of a thing. Jesus is not exalted in those kind of daydreams, is he? No, but our ego got exalted in those things. So we want to look who is being lifted up, okay? If it's, if it's your ego, then guess what? Your revelation came straight out of your soul. Your revelation did not come from Jesus, okay? If this revelation, if it comes from Satan, does the image seem destructive? Does it lure me away? Is there something about this picture that's in my head that is pulling me away from Jesus? It's pulling me away from the things of, of God. Or, test the spirits, if it's from God, is it a living, flowing uh, a living flow of pictures coming from my innermost being. Was my innermost being quietly focused on Jesus? You see, that's where it's where was your focus? Because sometimes, if you're upset and you had a you had a daydream, a vision, a picture, and you just saw you just saw you know God making your boss just come and beg your forgiveness and giving you blah 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 blah, and you know 
you might think, well, that's just God wants to bless me. But we're, if you were agitated in the midst of that, then it's probably safe to say that that thing came out of your imagination, right? Because your inside was not quiet. And that's what I'm saying. If you want to wake up in the morning and you woke up and you're quiet and rested and you have a revelation then, that's something that is worth really looking at, okay? Because you're probably not, if you're waking up rested, not out of a nightmare, but if you're just waking up and things are cool and then you have a revelation, a picture, you hear a word, you see something, you hear something, then there's a good chance that what you have perceived was from the Lord. Now, not only testing the spirits, which is the source behind it, but then also testing the ideas. In 1 John 4, 5, it says, They are from the world. Therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. So we want to look at the ideas here. Ideas that come from yourself. Does it have ego appeal? Is self the centerpiece, or is Jesus the one lifted up? Folks, sometimes we get this when we have ideas about our ministry, about our business, about our family. You know, sometimes we've got these things, and who is being lifted up? You know, we even have to watch this when we get prophecy. Sometimes, I mean, people practice, right? They give us a word of prophecy, and you listen to it. And who's being exalted in the prophecy? Oh, you're the great man of God. The miracle worker going to travel the world, and you're wonderful, and you're so special, and God loves you best, and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Folks, just say, God bless them, they tried, okay? Because, you know, who is being exalted? I mean, certainly God will speak words of encouragement and comfort, but it's always got to come back to redemption. It's always got to come back to the Lord. He's got to have the centrality of all of our, our, our uh, ministry, everything. Remember when Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, and, you know, what happened? He said, you know, Paul, you're, you know, you're working against yourself here. He says, who are you? He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And, you know, he had a revelation, and yes... The Lord told Paul, you're going, to be, you're going to suffer for my name's sake. You're going to travel. You're going to speak to Caesar. You're going to do this stuff. But what was the point of all of it? The point was that Jesus was being lifted up. You know, Jesus is being lifted up. So we want to look at, you know, sometimes it's just out of ourself when it's just, you know, putting us on a platform instead of Jesus being lifted up. Ideas that come from Satan, are they negative, destructive, pushy, fearful, accusative? Is it a violation of the nature of God? Is the image afraid to be tested? You know, a lot of times we're hearing lots of doom and gloom prophecies that make me nervous. Y'all heard any of those? I've heard doom and gloom stuff makes me nervous. And they talk about all this bad, evil stuff that God's going to do and blah, 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 blah. And you know, I never have peace with those things. I never have peace with them. I, I'm, I sit and I listen and I thought, this is promoting fear. This is promoting not the fruit of the Spirit anywhere. This is getting people off into panic. It's getting people off into judgment. And a lot of times getting people off into pride because they're mad, you know, at the world. So I just want God to judge them. You know, and this comes across sometimes with doom and gloom types of prophecy. All right? If an idea comes from God, it'll be instructive, uplifting, and comforting and is not afraid of being tested. I remember reading years ago of of Kenneth Hagin having visions of Jesus and having revelation, even though he's got a vision of Jesus and he's talking to him and he's receiving information. And so, you know, Hagin's asking him, I would like some scripture to back that up. He says, you know what? Jesus did not get offended. You know, he does not get offended if you ask him to confirm 
from the scripture. Ask him to show me where that is. Help me with this somehow. And he will not be afraid to do that. And actually, I believe that he is pleased when we ask for that. Does something from God, does this, if it's from God, it's going to encourage us to continue in our walk with God. It's going to keep us moving forward in the things of God. So we're going to test the spirits and test the ideas that come by revelation. Then also we want to check the fruit. Jesus said that you'll know them by their fruits. What is the fruit of this revelation? If, if it is a revelation that came out of a person's soul, out of themselves, it's going to elevate man in contrast to the Lord being elevated. You know, sometimes it's just whatever ideas or things or prophecies Who's, you know, sometimes it's a wild imagination. But if it's elevating man, it's not from the Lord. If it's from Satan, does it cause you to be fearful, in bondage, anxious, confused, or possessing an inflated ego as a result of an encounter? You know, then that's not from God. There are some people who have gotten, you know, over on the other side of the ditch. They had a spiritual experience that they focused upon so much that it wound up being the focus of their life. It kind of reminds me of what happened when Moses had created the serpent and put it on the, on the brazen serpent, put it up on the pole. And when everybody looked at it, they were healed of the plague, right? And after some time had passed, the people began worshiping, you know, the brazen thing. It was a sign. It was something that God had commanded and instituted. But the focus moved from being on the Lord, the focus being moved upon the thing that he did. And that's something that I believe that we need to be you know, aware of, that as we're seeing the things that God is doing and we're anticipating more revelation, more signs, more wonders, that our attention needs to not be, a, not be skewed away from the Lord and onto the things, right? We want to have our focus still upon the Lord. If a revelation is from the Lord, we're going to have quickened faith, power, peace, good fruit, enlightenment, knowledge, and humility. And the wisdom from above, James says, is first of all, peaceable. You know? It's awesome. Peaceable. And that's what sometimes with somebody, they, they think they got a revelation, but I want to know where's the peace of it. Do you know that even if it's a warning of a revelation, it's always going to be accompanied by the Lord's reassurance that's going to be okay. You know, Joseph, the husband of Mary, he got woken up by an angel and said, it's time to pick up the, the mother and the baby and get out of town because Herod is going to try to kill your baby. Now, that's a scary revelation, right? But what? It was accompanied by peace. But the angel Lord was told him, all right, I want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to go. I want you to go now, and you will get out in time. I mean, there was a comfort and a reassurance that as he took action, he was going to preserve his family, right? Unlike, unlike many of the prophecies that I've been hearing the last few years that talk about doom and gloom, and then there's no solution. I mean, I get frustrated with that. You know, it's like, don't tell me there's this horrible thing going to happen, and don't give me a way out. What? You know, I get frustrated with that. I had somebody some months ago was giving me this thing, oh, we feel there's going to be this horrible storm. Y'all heard those, right? The horrible storm is coming. And the Lord says, prepare. And I emailed her back. I said, what does that mean? Does that mean buy a generator? Does that mean move the mountains? What does that mean? And I read something the other day where somebody said, I, you know, I have 
fled the coastland. I believe the Lord's told me to move away from the coast. I thought, well, there's millions of us that love God that are still sitting here on the coast. <laughs> you know? I was like, you know, I understand. If God wants us to, you know, head for the hills, I believe he'll tell us and he'll make provision. But there'll be peace that comes with that, not fear. You know? And that's what gets me concerned is when people just publish these things, email them to 500 of your closest friends, right? And if you love Jesus, you'll send this on. <laughs> Y'all got those emails, right? I hit delete every time to you. <laughs> I'm like, no, blackmailing me like that. No, I love Jesus, and it doesn't count upon me forwarding your email. So, <laughs> but you know, it's like, I, and then I want to know, I, folks, we also need to know where is this revelation coming from? When I first heard this one about the storm, I asked, who got this revelation? Do you know that makes a big difference? If it's somebody who is, say, you know, a prophetic voice of the region, somebody that everybody knows and recognizes, if they get a revelation like that, that's one thing. This was just somebody's little unknown person in their church. And I'm like, so how long have they been born again? You know, had they said this kind of word before? Did they have any track record? Folks, there's nothing wrong with looking for a track record, right? And when they start giving all this, I'm like, okay, has, you know, and understand that God may tell God may tell you something for the first time. I mean, it's the first type of revelation. You ever had this before? And so you're going to share it. Okay, we're going to hide and watch and see. <laughs> you know, we're going to wait. You see, it's out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so when I was even two or three witnesses that need to be credible, not you and your best friend. <laughs> Y'all, I mean, this is, this, I have to say this stuff because this is how it works. Well, I talked to my best friend and my best friend agreed. <laughs> Well, that's what best friends are for, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, but instead, let's look at some track record. Let's begin to judge some things, you know. Well, you know, it's like um, I've, I teach this in some of the prophetic training classes that we do, but, you know, a number of years ago, I had a medical condition that um, the doctors weren't sure what was going on with it. So I decided to activate the revelatory people I knew, and I said, you know, go ask God what's my situation or whatever, you know. They came up with all kinds of crazy stuff. None of it was right, you know, none of it was right. Then I had somebody who just, you know, I hadn't asked, but then somebody else who just said, well, the Lord showed me that this is what's going on with you. Well, guess what? I had a test with the doctor, and the doctor said, nope, <laughs> they were wrong. Oh, you must have got healed. No, you were wrong. <laughs> you know? And then we have to ask, you know, then we have to ask some questions. And let's, let's be honest. Why would, why would God tell you? Why would God tell you there was going to be a horrible storm and not tell anybody else who had a platform to voice that warning? Why would he tell you? We've got to have some humility here, like little kids. You know what it says? Says, the psalmist said, my soul's even as a weaned child, right? And I don't even think about things too high for me, too high for me. What's going to happen with gas prices? I don't know, <laughs> and you don't either. I mean, we've heard some revelation about God's going to release some, uh, you know, some new technology. We've heard some revelation, and these are coming from credible people, people who have ministries, who have been, you know, making these types of proclamations and stuff. 
But you know, we got to just weigh sometimes the revelation that we're getting. Why would God tell me that? You know? I mean, sometimes we, we have an inflated sense of importance, you know? You know, I don't expect, you know, the Bible says we need to know the measure of our rule. Know the measure of your rule, right? I do not expect that God's going to give me a word for Governor Kane. My measure of rule does not extend to Governor Kane, right? Do you know there's lunatics that have words for people in high places? You know, I met one one time. I met a lunatic a few years ago. Bless her heart. She was a religious freak and felt like she had a word for, for Ronald Reagan. And this lady was homeless. I mean, she's a homeless lady that was flaky, in and out of churches all the time, begging for money, but she's got a word for Ronald Reagan. I don't think so. I don't think the, uh, you know, um, FBI or the Secret Service thought so either. Do you know that if you've got a word for those people, God will get you access. And I'm here to tell you that the, that the Secret Service and the FBI, they know who the reliable prophetic voices are in our country. And they ask for them. And there's more than one Christian prophet that's been in the White House. Okay? I mean, get, they know how to get in. And that's been that way, it's been that way for thousands of years. You know, r world leaders are in tough spots. And many of them are going to the psychics. They're go you know, the police, is, the police force is going to the psychics, right? There are people that are going to these things. But you have to, but, you know, it's like who God is using are people that God has raised up and given them a platform of credibility, okay? So, you know, it's like every now and then, you know, somebody tries to give a word to somebody that purports to really know, have the lowdown on a situation or whatever. And I say, go back and look at their track record. Who are you? What kind of, are you operating within your level of faith or outside the level of your authority? So that will help us also to judge and to test and to check the fruit of these things, you know. There are some things I'd be like, well, God, why would you show me something like that? So I have to wonder if my imagination jumped in. You know, why should God tell me? I don't have anything I can do about it. The only exception would be if God has given you something that he's wanted you to pray about. How many of you have ever felt led by the Lord to pray for a famous person? I have. Did you call them up? <laughs> Thank you. You don't need to call them up because what are they going to do? They're going to think you're a stalker, aren't they? Because you have no credibility with them. But what you can do is you can pray whatever God showed you that they need prayer for, right? Hallelujah. Is this helping you a little bit? Okay. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. You know, and I just, I just love about how that prophetic people love confirmation. And, and I love it that when we talk to people and they feel like, I think God's talking to me about this or that. I think I'm understanding that. You know, what are they doing? They want to check it out with somebody else. I want to know, anybody else picking up this? Anybody else seeing that? If not, well, hey, maybe that was just, you know, pizza vision, whatever. But sometimes you're like, 
Oh yeah, well I, I was picking up something too. Oh yeah, our prophetic team loves that stuff, right? Because we want to know that we're having confirmation. You know, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, right? We want to know that we're all hearing the same thing. Colossians 2.18 Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. Notice here that it's people who can get so over that they're all taken up with their vision, with their revelation, but they're being inflated in their head without cause. <laughs> that means you've got no sense for being so full of yourself. And in verse 19, they've let go of the head. It's all become focused upon them and their experiences and has let go of the head. You know, folks, we're to hold fast to the head, Jesus Christ. Amen? Hold fast and let and let's have that proper, that proper perspective. He's the head, and all these revelations may or may not be from him, so we're going to make sure we hold on to him and not get too wrapped up and carried away into revelations and manifestations, right? Okay. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark 9. We've got a story here of a phenomenal spiritual experience. Mark 9, 1. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it's come with power. That's quite a revelation. And so what happened six days later? Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. This is a powerful revelation, isn't it? Well, Peter is so overwhelmed by what's happening, you know, he just starts, somebody's got to say something. <laughs> you know, that's good old Peter. He's going to say something. And so he says, oh, Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what to answer because they became terrified. <laughs> So he's just running at the bow. Oh, good. Let's make tents. Let's pitch and let's stay here. Okay, this is wild. You know, that's a, because that's a phenomenal thing to happen here. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with him anymore except Jesus alone. Folks, when the visions fade, it's got to be Jesus alone who has left that he is the one that has our focus and our attention. I heard of a story that happened that there was a, I don't know where this was, but there were a group of people in a, I think there were a bus station, train station, something like that, someplace outdoors. There was a group of people, and all of a sudden, this group of people, this crowd of people looked up, and the heavens were opened, and they began to have this spiritual experience they were having something similar to this that was freaking everybody out. Ah, everybody in the crowd was seeing something, a vision in the sky. There was in the crowd a man who was accustomed to spiritual visions. So he had enough sense to grab a microphone and lead everybody into repentance and salvation. 
That was the point. How many, if we had not had enough, you know, understanding of what God was doing, we'd all just gone home and said, I saw the wildest thing today. But what a position to be in, to be so prepared because you are accustomed to visions and revelations, and you could discern what was God not, that when everybody is having one, you could say, this is a good time to preach salvation. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's an awesome story. I love that. You know, because when it comes down to it, what's the point of every vision, of every revelation that we have? It is that he may be exalted, right? As a whole bunch of people got born again that day, because the man decided not to focus upon the vision, but to lift up Jesus, because he's the one that Revelation is all about. Amen? The Bible says in Colossians that he must have the preeminence in all things. He must have the preeminence. So let's look at every vision, every revelation, every sign, every wonder, everything that happens. Where is Jesus? Is he being lifted up and exalted? That's our heart. Folks, I don't want us to get lopsided in this stuff. We believe in we want signs and wonders and miracles but that he may be lifted up and glorified why do you want to see the glory of God why is it so we can all write home and tell mama what we saw today certainly there's a there's a part of it that wants to share you know good news of an experience but the main thing is that I want to be amazed by the Lord I want to have a clearer picture of who he is I want to be transformed by an experience with God. That's the end result, is that we have revelation of Jesus like we haven't had before. I don't want to be half-hearted. I don't want to be cold-hearted. I want to be passionate about the things of God. And I'd like to have some experiences and just stoke up my passion from time to time. Amen? Yeah, they're having revival down in Florida right now. They're having wild stuff happen down there. People are flying from all over the country to go down there because God showed up and the glory showed up and wonderful things are happening. You know what? People are getting born again. People are giving their hearts to Jesus. People are giving glory to God for healings, for miracles, for signs and wonders. I want us to pray. Lord, we want to receive the wisdom of scriptures and even learn from Peter's experience that even if we have an open vision and we see Jesus and Moses and Elijah, that God, that we are so transformed and we hear the instruction that we need to see Jesus, we need to hear Jesus and obey his instruction. Because Jesus, you are before all things. By you all things consist. You are the head and we want to hold fast to you. So Lord Jesus, we want to come to you like children. With that delight, with that wonder, we say, go ahead Lord, just amaze us with who you are. Show us, Lord, your love and your abundance. Show us, Lord, your heart in a way that we've not yet seen and we've not yet understood. God, show off your power. Show off your glory. Open our eyes to see the realms of heaven.
We want to have curious hearts like children. Why, God? Why? What's that? I want to see that. And we want to delight in visions and delight in miracles. Hallelujah. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to grow us up, that as we are coming to you as children, but, God, that we're not remaining children in our spirits, that we are maturing in the things of God, and that, Lord, that we're able to discern the source of every prophetic word, of every dream, of every experience that we see or hear about, that we're able to judge accurately what's from you, that, Lord, that we can prove all things and hold the things that are good and set aside the things that are not. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are patient with us and you give us a chance to learn. And so, Lord, we're going to be patient and kind with ourselves while we learn and patient and kind with one another while we learn because nobody's got all 100% right yet. I thank you, Lord God, that you are making us wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Hallelujah. So, Lord, with anticipation, with joy, we look for good things. We look for good fruit, for increased revelation, to see you and to know you and the power of your resurrection. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.